Hello, and welcome back to Faith Fitness and French Toast. As always, I'm your host, Moses Allwood, and I want to warmly welcome you back to the podcast. The purpose of this podcast is, and always has been, simple. To encourage, empower, and inspire athletes of all walks of life in their strength endeavors, faith walk, and of course, their best options for post-workout late-night meals. This afternoon, I'm joined by David Ricks, a long-standing USAPL phenomena. Uh, David is now in his 60s. He's been competing in powerlifting for close to four decades. Uh, He has countless records, both on a national and world level, and he continues to exceed what the standard or the assumed standard would be for powerlifting at his age. David and I have such a good conversation. We're looking at a little bit over an hour here for this episode. And one of the elements that I really enjoy that we touch on that I hope you'll also find uh, insightful is especially the discussion on when your alleged strength peak is. We've all heard for a long time that your strength peak is at 35. That you're going to peak during that phase when you're in the open division. The open division being from the moment you turn 24 all the way up through 35. David has proved that that's just not true. He's continued to get stronger decade after decade after decade past that 35-year mark. Now, is David the anomaly? Or is it possible that he's got some wisdom that we can all learn from to push ourselves just a little bit further? Well, I won't make you hold on too much longer to find out. I hope you enjoy this episode. So with that, sit back, relax, and let's dive in. David, what is going on, brother? Welcome to the show. Thank you for joining me. Well, I'm honored to, to be, be profiled and to be, and that you're, you're considering the laundry list of folks you've already interviewed, to, for you to ask an old guy like me to be on your show, I, I feel honored. <laughs> well, I, you know, I, I appreciate it. I mean, it's humbling to, to, to even be in that position, but I mean, for you, man, I, it, the, the honor is mine. I mean, you have, you have decades and decades of success and, and accolades in the sport. You know, one of my um, dear friends out in Salt Lake City, uh, Nathaniel Hancock, uh, is a, a very big fan of yours. And so he's very excited uh, that, that we're getting oh, okay. to, to chat. Um, <laughs> as he, he's, a, he's a USAPL man. Uh, he's, he's in his mid-40s now. Uh, and, and I know you're yeah, a I big, know him very well, yes. <laughs> yeah. You're, you're a big role model of his. So um, this is his shout out in this episode, too. Um, this okay. For sure. Well, well, David, uh, you know, for those that may not uh, have as much exposure uh, to you or to the sport in general, I wonder if you could kind of offer a little bit of an intro, just who you are, how you got started in the sport, you know, uh, and and kind of the trajectory that's led to you to to hear and the success you've had. Sure. I'm a, so give me a perspective. I'm a military veteran. I did 22 years in the Navy. I was an engineer in the Navy, and I was fortunate enough to go to the Naval Academy. And that's how I started my lifting career. And with my educational background, I'm an, you know, I am a transportation civil engineer. And currently I work at Palm Beach County. I'm the county engineer responsible for about 3,500 lane miles, 1,200 intersections. And I lead a team of about 450 people. Wow. Uh, and so, and have a capital budget about over $300 million over five years. And so it, it keeps you busy in terms of perspective, but it, it does keep you humble in terms of providing you know, public service. And that's why uh, when I left the military after 20 years, I stayed in public service. And so this is where I'm currently at. I've been in five years. This will be my, my last stop. Uh, but I think the key thing in terms of how I started my, my journey was at the Naval Academy. I went to a small you know, uh, high school in Barberton, Ohio, you know, a small, small city about less than... Uh, I think less than 10,000, uh, but I wanted to go to college, and my dad uh, gave me the opportunity to go to the Naval Academy. Didn't know anything about it, but he, I went to a summer program at the Naval Academy, and I really got got keyed up about the engineering and education aspect. I said, Dad, that's where I want to go. Wasn't sure about making a career and all that stuff, but I definitely loved the engineering. Uh, so when I went there, I thought I was going to graduate through my four or five years and call it a career. But I just kept having fun and uh, doing the, you know, the professional part of being an engineer. So I finished my Navy career as a Navy commander in 05. And then I transitioned to the public, uh, public sector where I'm at now as the county engineer. And so lifting has been part of my 
wellness plan. So I never thought about that I'm a top-level athlete. I'm going to do lifting forever. I just did it as a hobby. And I started at the Naval Academy. Had a little lifting club. And uh, my following my senior year, and I qualified for the senior, you know, the collegiate nationals then. Um, and uh, it was Chris Town, Pennsylvania. I think I took third in 165. I was squatting barely over 500, you know, pulling maybe five, and benching maybe 300. Um, and I thought that was okay. And, and when, uh, but when you in the military, you always you have to stay in shape. You always have fitness goals. And so I would always try to stay in shape and lift at a local gym there. Uh, but uh, in my late, uh, my, in my late twenties, I really got stationed in Hawaii, and I uh, got got uh, affiliated with a uh, local power gym, and about you know strength training, squatting, benching, deadlifting, and I got pretty good at it and hit some local meets. Did pretty good there, and then about 1988, I went to California, uh, and got better at it and started doing some USAPL ADFA meets. And uh, that's how I really started doing, com- really be competitive lifting, uh, but really local meets. But after being the state champion for a couple of years, one of the guys said, you know, Dave, if you didn't went to the you know, ADFP National, you'd have probably taken, you'd been one of the top guys and said, oh, I never thought about that. <laughs> and that started my journey. So uh, uh, I think 1988, that's when I uh, went to my first ADFP National, took second. And I said, well, I, if I take second, if I work really hard, I could take first. Yeah. And so I worked a little harder, but I didn't, uh, and this was in, uh, I think, Erie, Pennsylvania. Uh, my parents in, in Ohio, they had never saw me lift. And so I told my dad, hey, this is in the fall, that, hey, I'm going to be lifting. Why don't you come out, out, three drilling out. And uh, I didn't cut the weight the right way uh, and starving myself. And so now it's the, the day of the weigh-in. And uh, Martin Beavers was the top guy. And so he was the guy. And I said, well, I, I think I can beat him. And so... You know, you at your weight, you put your opening weights, and he was opening pretty heavy in the high fives or maybe sixes. And he said, "Well, if he could open that heavy, I could open that heavy." Wrong answer. And so <laughs> that was the first thing I didn't, didn't do right. And then, the, then we uh, the meet was running behind schedule, but when it got to our weight class, I think late in the afternoon, they stuck to the schedule. Mm-hmm. So I didn't warm up fast and you know fast enough. And that opening weight, it, you can tell when you take a weight off. And it feels like a ton of bricks. Mm-hmm. That's how I felt. Mm-hmm. So I didn't go deep enough. And I, and then another attempt, second attempt, didn't go deep enough. And I said, okay, I need to sink it. I sunk it. I, I couldn't come out of it. Yep. And I bombed. Yep. And so so uh, my dad was there. I told my dad, hey, I know you come here to see me lift. I'm bombed out. But I can't watch the rest of this. I just, I can't. I, so let's go to a movie, whatever. And I thought at that time that, man, this sport is not for me. And I... I said, maybe I'll just call it, you know, I won't do this anymore competitively. But dad said, well, I, why don't you take a, give it a rest a little bit and think about what you did and maybe you want to do it one more time. So I took some time off, about four or five weeks, and I thought about what I did and good things and bad things. And so I got back into it. And uh, and the following year, I, I, I did very well. And I went to the military nationals, took first place. And that started my, my journey. So I was not, as I started my journey like this, I didn't think I was that good. I just think I just, I just worked really hard. And until you measure yourself in terms of, in terms of other competitors, you'll know how good you are. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. There, yeah. There's a, there's a lot, there's a lot in there. Yeah. I, I, I love all of that. You know, I mean, <clears throat> I'm curious about the very beginning there, you know, your, the story it sounds similar to uh, is that of, of Danny Grigsby. You know, that was his, uh, when he's away and he's training, he's with the military, he's with the Marine Corps. He's stuck right. with the weights that the, the the army or the Marines have, and uh, it's not necessarily your best option. It, it's your it's your basic just lift the weights. It's the only you know? option. Yeah, exactly. There, there, there's no kilo plates in there. You know, there's no cambered <laughs> exactly. bar. You know, it, it's yeah. <laughs> squat them. So what what was that? How did that style of tra- just being like, hey, I'm just here to train. I'm here to get big. I'm here to just be strong and remain healthy. How did that shape some of your mindset, even as you began to compete, uh, especially coming from a military background? I mean, there's a lot of discipline in there, uh, as, as you kind of continue. Well, when you, especially at your military bases, a lot of folks are just they're focused on just getting the work done, and 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 you'll learn 
you know, you'll pick up what people are doing that you didn't know anything about. And so it's, it's an opportunity to learn from other people. But but part about being a military, we all got our, you know, our regular jobs. And the, the fitness thing is just really to enhance your professionalism. And so you you keep that proper perspective. So you're not there to kind of, you know, you know, squatting 600 pounds of gym, don't do anything if you can't go out on the flight line and, and take care of that piece of equipment. Mm. Or if I can't go back in the office and, and take care of this major project. And so you you you... you you use the fitness to, to kind of keep a proper balance. Mm. And and then you try to be efficient as you can because you can't spend hours and hours of time in the gym because you got other stuff you got to do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and sometimes you deploy, sometimes you got other things. And so you you, know, you don't have a, I would say, a normal logical training block where everything is perfect. Like if you have college and you just wake up in the morning and you only got two hours worth of classes and basically you get, you get trained for it. You have the the, the flexibility uh, to train all the time you want, uh, but as you as you, you start your professional career, even in not military, you, you have those other balances, and so you got to figure out what is what is the proper balance that you, you need to have, and so the 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 competition and training for an training for an event helps you to kind of sharpen your goals, sharpen your mental effort, but you don't make that take a higher priority than. You're taking care of your family, taking care of your professionalism, because at the end of the day, there ain't no professional. You know, you know, your partner just making a whole lot of money. Okay, right. <laughs> right. Uh, I mean, so you know, winning a title, doing something is great, but if you if you're a doctor, whatever, uh, and, and you're not taking care of your professionalism, it doesn't mean anything. And so, so as long as you keep that perspective, whatever happens, you know, in a in a competition or you know, as you're training. It's really icing on the cake, and so the, what you try to do is make sure that you stay healthy, but but you use that training process in terms of the consistency and the methodology in terms of how you train to help you focus your other aspects of your life, and and you say, well, I want to have a goal. Well, if I'm going to do this, I got to wake up early in the morning, you know, earlier than anyone, you know, like five, I got about four four thirty in the morning, work up for about an hour or so. And then come, you know, come then change my clothes, go to work, and then, and like on Monday nights, I'll be at the gym working out right now. Yeah. And so it's a long day, but but I have a goal in mind too that I want to do. If my goal was to stay in shape, then then I wouldn't do a do a, a twice a day training set. But if I'm training for an event and it's going to be six weeks out, then I said I'm locking loaded. Here's my goal, and in order to do that, here here are the we call the um, measuring parts. Merging aspect of hitting that goal. Mm-hmm. Now, if you don't hit it, then you need to back off what your goal is, and so you got to you got to keep everything in proper perspective. Yeah, no, that makes sense, uh, and and it kind of leads into my next question here because there is kind of that conversation, especially now as social media has taken over training. You know, in the last five years. Oh yes, the, the, it, it, it's become it, the, the the Ronnie Coleman era of just we're just in there at three a.m. training for four hours. Feels like it's now fallen way for photo shoots and uh, right. performative lifting. And, and but in right. that, there's also so much information. Like there's just a myriad of information from everyone and anyone saying anything really. And so right. one of the That's common right. things is. is this conversation on overtraining. Now, obviously you have found a methodology that's worked for years and years and years. So I'm curious what your thoughts are on, yeah, overtraining, undertraining, finding, how have you found your rhythm to create something that's sustainable, that's preventing you from getting injured for extended periods of time, and have allowed you to lift as long as you have and as as successfully as you have as well? Well, and and so I I, I come from a unique perspective because I'm, uh, well, you know, I'm 63 years old. So. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and you're you're still out squatting me, man. It's fantastic. So, so, but but if you had told me, now, how old are you right now? I'm turned 25 in March, so I'm just 24. Just 25. went into the just went into the open. If you had told me when I was your age, 25, that uh, another 40 plus years you'd still be doing this, I said you got to be smoking something. Right. I, I, I would never. <laughs> yeah. I'm serious. I yeah. think. Either the, that must be something you're talking about the, the Hulk or something, something on those the Marvel comics, but not for regular natural, especially as a natural athlete. Yeah. And so you 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 have to have perspective of of setting simple goals 
don't over don't over um keep your goals pretty simple and don't mm. over try to shoot yourself mm. because what that does translate to overtraining and so when i started out uh when i before i you know did the uh, you know the, the military nationals and doing local meets my goal was just doing the local meets mm. and i wasn't worried about you know beating someone i was just saying i train okay meets come with the day let's see how well i can do mm. and then and i learned how to train to get to uh, kind of stagger my training from more training because initially when I started out the, the Nail Academy, I had a SEAL, SEAL guy, SEAL team guy. He was, you know, he was a uh, guy who used to be the SEAL team. And his, goal, his philosophy was go heavy, go often. Mm. And so we would squat heavy twice a week, wow. yeah, bench heavy all the time. And so when you're starting out, when you're early 20, you can do that for a little while, uh, but after a while your bicep, they ain't going to work. Mm-hmm. And so just because of my limitations, I went to a light day, heavy day squat. Uh, but I was squat heavy most of the time. And I was okay, but I wasn't really making major, major progress. And that's when I talked to someone, this was down in California, and, and he was a chiropractor, but he knew about periodization training and how to stagger your training and back off your squats to like about 75 to 70% to do more, do, do more uh, volume there. And I said, how could that work for you? And I, and I told myself, well... What I'm doing now ain't working, so let me try this. Mm. And I tried it, and and when I got the end of my cycle, all of a sudden my numbers started moving up. And so that's been my basic philosophy in terms of training. But also, I have not been in the gym constantly for 40, 40, you know, 40 plus years. I have taken off either some mild injuries or because of just work stuff. Mm. And so there've been times where I've taken off a year plus uh, because of you know moving because of because uh, of the military and some other things. Uh, and then when I got back in the gym, I stopped back very simple and, and just worked the journey you know, just on a basic level. And so, and especially as you get in your late 30s, early 40s, because you see the professional athletes, you know, they kind of retire by the time they're mid to late 30s, early 40s. And you think from a strength training standpoint, well, it's probably going to be the same thing for all of us. But for those who take care of their bodies, you still can make gains in, in your 40s and in your 50s. You look at Jennifer Thompson. Mm-hmm. She's uh, she's in her late forties and she's benching out, uh, benching almost the world. Uh, another gentleman is um, is uh, uh, what is it? Oh gosh, yeah. Anthony Harris. He's a military veteran, army guy, but he set the open squat record at the Arnold, uh, and I was there because I set the open squat record too. Uh, uh, this is two thousand, yeah, two thousand seventeen, yeah, two thousand seventeen, and this is and this is. Uh, he had hurt his leg in 2003 uh, at the World Championships, uh, you know, equipped lifting. And then he came back. And then in 2014 or 15, he had testicular cancer. Mm. And I saw him at the uh, Raw Nationals. Uh, this is the fall of 2015. We both you know, taken some time off. And uh, we had studied for him. He told me about his journey. And I said, I said, Anthony, I said, normal folks who come back from testicular cancer just want to go in the gym and call it a day, but you got back in the gym and started pushing it. And I didn't realize he's going to be at that level, you know, nine months later, which was the, which is the uh, classic world championships in clean Texas in 2016. And so he, he, both world, we, we both uh, competed in the masters. It is uh, in Pennsylvania and uh, my numbers are coming up. I'll tell you about that journey separate, but spring ahead. So both we qualified for the, Classic World Championships, IPF World. It was in Clean, Texas. And um, I said, I'm sorry. And uh, he did very well. Uh, not 2016. Then you spring a year later, uh, which is the Arnold in 2017, uh, on the Grand Prix stage, which is you know, the big, big, big stage. And, uh, and, and I had squatted the world record. I didn't know I was going to do it. I just, numbers kind of fell into place. Uh, and then he, right after that, he squatted the world record, 870 pounds. Mm. And so, you know, I, mine's kind of, you know, exceptional being an old guy. His is more exceptional because he's come back from two major injuries, cancer now. Yeah. And squatting. And you look at that rec, you look at it, you put the video from that tournament. Uh, it looked like it's, I don't know, like a warm up, but I mean, it wasn't like it was a grinder, like that's all he had in the bank. It, I mean, he smoked it. It was, that was impressive. Mm. And so, you so you think about that. Um, there, you still can make improvements, you know, in your forties and potentially fifties. 
And uh, now, how long will I keep pushing the numbers? Well, I don't know. I think I'm, I'm right now. I'm way off. The, I'm way off the uh, call the the roadmap. I'm on. I'm, I'm way off the, the, the written page. So I'm not sure what how long I, I could be doing this at at this high level. Uh, but but you have to be very uh, focused on your recovery because I've tweaked my back here and there and some other things. So I've gone. I've been very good on going to a good chiropractor. I started that in, in the late '80s. Uh, yeah, late 90s, going to a good chiropractor. So everywhere I've been, lived at, or got stationed at, I found a good sports chiropractor. They're worth their weight in gold. Uh, the first one I went to was um, was in California, and uh, he was great. And so I, and he was a powerlifter. So I hurt my, I hurt my uh, knee getting ready for a tournament. Uh, Jerry Mullen, Jerry Mullen, he's actually in Cincinnati now, but he was in California. And so I went to him and I said. Uh, Hey, my knee hurts. He said, take your shoes out. I said, come on, doc. It's, it's my knee. He said, yeah, Dave, you're an engineer. I don't tell you how to build bridges. Don't tell me how to be a chiropractor. <laughs> I said, okay. And so uh, I'm a sumo guy. And uh, so he fell underneath my foot, the arch. And I felt a very sharp pain there. March had collapsed. I didn't realize it. Mm. Dude, he touched it. And he said, and I was wearing basically flat shoes. And he said, you got weak arches there. So he did some things. Uh, I walked on the knee and the arch, and I told you, he said, you need to wear some type of shoe that has some arch support. Uh, and uh, within a, a week, I was able to go to the tournament, compete. I didn't do sumo. I actually did uh, conventional. Uh, still finished the tournament. Uh, and so ever since then, I was always wore a shoe with an arch. Another time, I got caught, and I was in, this was, I was in um, uh, Charleston, South Carolina, getting ready for a, and I'd taken some time off and uh, start work working up again uh, I've been about a year off and trying to train again my body was feeling I feel some you know, tweaks in here and there and I wasn't paying attention to it and this was like two weeks out from tournament greater pull I think about somewhere not 670 680 as I started to pull my left leg just uh, basically uh, lost all the strength and I said and uh, so I dropped away the course I f- fell backwards and I felt a tingling went from my left hip to my toe and I said well that's not good so I went to the local chiropractor there, another sports guy. He was also a powerlifter. He said, Dad, you're, he said, David, your hips out of alignment, which caused your sciatic nerve to get inflamed. That's what caused you to lose the, uh, the your strength in your left leg. So he said, let me, so he did, did my hips thing, got it back in alignment, did some soft tissue work. So I was like about, yeah, about almost 10 days out from a tournament. He said, well, do I need to, you know, cancel the tournament because I don't think I can do anything? Well, you don't know yet. He said, do some do your mobility stretching, stay very, very light, and then see how it works. So I did that every day. And then so I flew out to the tournament. I think it was in Texas. And uh, they had a, uh, the day before there, I got there, and they had a massage there, worked on my back a little bit. Now it's the day of the tournament. And I did my mobility stretches. First time during the first 10 of the day since the incident, I didn't feel any uh, sharp stiffness or pain. That area said, hmm, that's a positive indication. And so I did all three squats. Squats were good, and squats. And then the bench did pretty good. Now I get to the deadlift and open up real light. I think in the mid 500s, and I got that. Went to lower six and got that. And basically, I had it one. So I had one more lift left. And uh, normal folks would say, don't push it, just call it a day. I said, well, let me put the number on the board that I injured myself. And I did. And I smoked it. <laughs> and so, uh, and uh, so. Um, and so, so, so I, ever, ever since I always, when I, when I get ready to really f- push myself, I will go to a chiropractor beginning of the, of the, you know, the serious training cycle and, and maybe two, three times in between before I, I do a major left because it, it makes a huge, huge difference. And so, and I also do, you know, the mobility stretching, the, uh, the, you know, the, um, uh, icy hot and stuff like that and the Epsom salt. So, but yeah, that is, that is huge. Yeah, I mean, I I think, and and especially when you're when you're in your supposed alleged strength peak, which obviously you have greatly <laughs> surpassed and have expressed that it doesn't necessarily have to be in your twenties, but there there is a there's a sense of um, invincibility, uh, invincibility of you know athletes think oh I'm I'm 22 I can do anything because I'm going to live forever right and there you reach a certain point where you do get a serious injury or. Um, something does take place. You're like, oh, I'm actually not invincible. I actually need to think about going in and maxing out every day. You know, especially as um, as natural athletes. I, I even think 
uh, you know, on the enhanced side of things, I don't know if you saw Chad Penson literally this week, you know, tears both of his quads uh, on the, oh, on the squad. Oh, good gracious. Um, and he posted it. He put the little trigger warning, though. He was like, this is going to be graphic. And I didn't read the caption. And I saw it. And I was like, this dude just blew out both his quads. You know, so there are, there's moments. And Chad's not that old. He's probably 29, maybe. Um, yeah. But nonetheless, there's a sense of invincibility in this competition style of maximum weight that you know doing things like that ensuring you're sleeping the right amount ensuring that you you are taking yourself uh seriously and you're taking your body seriously you're meeting with a doctor you're taking your recovery it makes sense but too many people don't including myself if i'm really being honest with myself i probably don't recover as much as i should you know but um you know with all of that i'm also curious what role did even lifters that were lifting before you play as far as instilling maybe that sports psychology or just even that the motivation in you, like who are some of the people that you were able to look up to and were maybe just mentors in your life in general that pushed you to succeed uh, and ensure that you, uh, you know, could take things as seriously as you have. Well, I, and my journey is kind of unique because being in the military, I've been all over the place. So Back in the day, you would, instead of Instagram, it was Product in USA was a magazine. Yeah. And you wait a month to get to see if your name was in there. And so, and you read about the training programs. And so, it was really, you know, basically the folks at the local gym, wherever military base I was at, and you just train on a, on a regular basis. So, I never had, I never had visions of hitting a maximum weight for a world record because I didn't think I was that type of guy. And so, my goal was just, let's just, just kind of, work a plan to get stronger and see where we're at in the cycle. So I never had the preconceived notions that, well, I've got to be at this level because I'm, I want to be the national champion or I want to hit a world record. Uh, and, and if you push it, if you hit those type of lofty goals without knowing the journey how to get there, you may push yourself beyond your, your limits is. But if you keep your goals real simple in terms of, you know, this want to be in four weeks, this want to be in five weeks, then you'll be amazed if you keep that same level of... Uh, Thought process, you'd be amazed what progress you make in you know, six months to a year, whatever, and, and not overdoing it. Uh, and, and so I'm in the gym I'm at now, I'm at the Boynton Barbell Center in Boynton Beach. And I've seen some you know, the, the local ones, and I, and I see them train a little bit, and I kind of say, hey, you want to back it off a little bit. And sometimes they pay attention, sometimes they don't. Uh, guys, they don't. They, you'll see the uh, place. Oh, I hurt myself. So, well, I could have told you. <laughs> 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 so, but but it's hard. Like you said, when you're that in your twenties, you I mean, you can wake up and think you could basically you know, bench real heavy without stretching out, and that works pretty good. But eventually, that comes back to bite you. And so, and I didn't start stretching until my until I got into my thirties because I thought. You know, you just you get in the gym, hit a little light white weight, boom, you're there. But now I didn't see the young, some of the young folks do a lot of mobility stretching because uh, they see it, you know, basically on the social media, or whatever. It, it makes a huge difference, uh, especially if you start, if you just try to stay in shape, uh, no big deal. But if you start pushing yourself to the, you call into the, to your upper limits and you want to make great, I call sustainable progress, then you got to put all those elements together into your nutrition. Uh, your mobility and everything else, and your mechanics and how you move the weight. That is so, so critical. Because uh, your, we call your brute force strength can only get you so far. <laughs> yes. So I, and I use the analogy when I talk to, to young kids that I think you know, when they're folks like your age, your, your, your potential is like an iceberg. Uh, the stuff to blow the water is basically you use. Everything above the water, which is large, is you haven't scratched that surface yet. For me, I'm a little inverted. I mean, I, I've used up almost everything I got. I'm like a, I'm like a NASCAR engine, and I'm on E. And I'm not on fumes yet, but but ain't that that much left. And so I got to be very almost anal about how I move around the track, make sure I got the right tires on because I ain't got that much left. I can't I can't uh, go off to another, you know, go off the track a little bit and better get back on. You can do that because you got a lot of you know, unused potential. For me, uh, I I'm, I'm I'm pretty close. I'm not there yet, but I'm going to try to, to try to string us out as long as I can. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, one of the things that I've appreciated in some of the training that I've watched you do is the first rep 
especially on squat. That first rep is looks almost to be like an RPE 10. And then I just see in your face, you're like, ah, I'll do another one. And then you'll rip out four or five or six more. <laughs> you know, you mentioned at the beginning, uh, you know, that competition, you came out and that weight felt like a ton of bricks. Uh, and I remember my first competition, it was 100% raw, uh, was the Federation. It was in Northern Virginia at Tyson's Playground. And yeah. uh, I'd never stepped on stage uh, on any kind of platform before, but in the gym, I had squatted 500. And so in my head, I'm like, well, logically, at the meet, I could right. squat 500, right? And yeah. it turned out that one plus one, in fact, did not equal two in this scenario. <laughs> and so I, I open up with 440, and it's good, but I'm nervous. You know, there's a crowd, there's like 60 yeah. people watching. Yeah, right. yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. you've got the nerves. And so I dive bomb it, and I, I come up with it, but it was, it was max effort. But in my head, I'm like, yeah. oh, it's, it's whatever, it's whatever, it's whatever. So then I yeah, load right. 463 and it just pins me. Right. Like there's just no, like it's yeah. just not going to happen. <laughs> right, right. Um, so I, I know what that feeling is of walking out and going, ooh, this is heavier than I feel like this should be. But nonetheless, it feels like still nine times out of 10, you walk out something I can see in your face, you're like, this is heavy, but you make it happen regardless. So I'm curious, what, what mentally is going through your head as you prepare for a big lift that ensures you're in that zone of I'm going to succeed regardless of what it is on my back? Well, I would say, okay, that you, you, you're interested point because it's, it's about that, that mental acuity. And so uh, when, I, when I'm doing the, those, those heavy lifts, uh, normally, yeah, uh, you tell me anything about 600, I'll have the guys in the gym, I said, hey, I'll be looking around and said, okay, I need you, I need you. And so above a certain weight, I have two on each side and one in the back. And so I'm already, as I'm loading the bar or whatever, I'm doing that mental you know, lockdown in terms of what are the mechanics that I need to do to execute this lift. Mm. And so, and the, the fact is, you assume that your warm-ups will tell you how you're feeling. If I'm, if I'm supposed to do, say, this the plan said I'm supposed to do 650, 640, and I'm warming up and 500 feel like a ton of bricks, well, it ain't going to happen. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't, if the body says it ain't going to happen, I back it off. Yeah. Because that's where you get a chance of injury. But if the warm-ups feel good, and then I know that my body has the potential for that night to handle that weight. And so, so you gotta, you got to put all those factors into play. So as you, that, 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 four, six, that four, is it 400 or 400, what'd you open with? I opened with 440. Okay, what was your last warm-up before you did the 440? It was probably 413. So, uh, probably 413 or 418, one of the two. Okay, so... Um, so that and so that how did that feel the four thirteen didn't feel great <laughs> it didn't feel great so I mean and so it is what it is and so every so and when you get to a meet day regardless of what happened in the gym your body feels what it feels feels that day and you got to adjust for that day yeah and so if, if four thirteen your last one would feel like a ton of bricks you know that that you know you may not that five hundred may not happen right now if it felt like a lot of the feathers okay this might be one of those days right and so. Uh, but the but the aspect that when you when you're working out and you're trying to rep a weight, that first rep it tells you in terms of where you're at in terms of that capacity, and you really got to be locked in on your mechanics because if you try to you know m most of the way to be off mechanically, then you basically you 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 basically um, you're wasting a lot of energy, and, you, and so if I'm supposed to do like six forty for like four five reps, and the first one's a grinder, I probably won't get two reps. But if, I, if the first one's like, okay, I grind it, but it felt pretty good, then I know I can try to work the plan. And so there, there was a workout session uh, last fall, and I got up to, I think, 672. Uh, and normally, the best I've done in training is three to four reps. So I wasn't sure how I was going to feel, but the first one felt pretty good, and the uh, second one felt okay. And after the third one, I said, maybe we can push this. And the fourth one was, uh, was a grinder, and I said, maybe I got one more left in the tank. And only I did that because I had my boys with me. If this had been another gym or whatever, I would have stopped at four call of the day. Because I, I don't want to you know, push it and all of a sudden the guys can't help me. And so that was really, um, uh, really, that's probably, if you're doing RPE, that's probably RPE 11, that one. So, <laughs> yeah. but, but, but I didn't overtrain because of that night and the following day, I felt okay. Now, I could tell my next day if I, well, I said, you just overdid it. 
and uh, and well, back a little tight, but it wasn't like I had overdid it. Uh, but the key thing was that make sure my mechanics were all locked in when I did that first one. If I had to grind it the first one, that would have been it, or maybe one more, that's it. So the, the first one tells me, and I'm very, uh, I'm very, belig- I'm very um, tactical in terms of just kind of being very little more cautious on the first one to make sure everything is locked in, mechanics locked in, and, and, uh, and then that tells me where I can go. And so some folks can dive on the first one and grind it out, but uh, for, for a gentleman like me who's a little older, I, I got to make sure that everything is everything is all clicking for this older body. Because sometimes the body says, ah, "You're done. You ain't got no more." Then I shut it down. That's why I, I take my I take I take a, 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 a take a, a more slower pause process for those first first reps. So yeah, yeah, no, that, that makes complete sense. Well, the the other side of things uh, I'm I'm curious about is on the nutrition side. Uh, for a long time there was kind of that split between powerlifting and bodybuilding where you had uh, the bodybuilders who are weighing out the grams of chicken that they're eating, you know, right. they're, they're preparing their egg whites and all that. Uh, I think of the, the video of Ronnie sitting in his, in his cop car, just sitting there eating his, his chicken with barbecue <laughs> sauce. Uh, and then you had the, the, you know, the stereotype that then the powerlifters are the ones hitting up Taco Bell after they, they train right. and just eating as much <laughs> as they can. Um, and, yeah. and I know recently, that's shifted, you know, as people have thought a little bit more and some of that bro science is left, people are actually planning out and thinking nutritiously over your time training and, and coaching and, and refereeing, just being in the, in the, the world of lifting. I'm curious what you've learned as far as, yeah, the tracking of macronutrients or just protein consumption in general. What are some of the things you've picked up as far as nutrition is concerned that maybe people aren't picking up on as important as they should be? Well, it depends what your focus is. So if you're just an average lifter and your goal is just kind of stay in shape and you're not worried about trying to lose weight, then your normal balanced meal is, should be more than enough. And I don't think you need to get that angle about checking your macronutrients. Because for a bodybuilder, because they, their goal is to get down to a certain body shape. Mm-hmm. and body, you know, so, But if you're just starting out and you just basically want to get in shape and you're working the fun- fundamentals and you're not worried about... Uh, losing weight, then eating a normal balanced meal, drinking a lot of water should be more than enough. Now, if you get into, well, now I need to push my, I want to, now I'm past the local level, now I'm competing nationally, I want to hit some big records, push your limits, that's when the nutrition comes in. Nutrition becomes very important because as you start pushing your training the last four weeks of a eight to 10 week cycle, your nutrition becomes the fuel for that effort. And so if you're just eating your know, McDonald's every day, well, you're going to, especially for a natural athlete, you're not going to hit the numbers you want to hit. Mm-hmm. Uh, not saying that, you know, eating all the right will help you. But in principle, you want to basically put, put every advantage to your level. Yeah. And so that's why, you know, eat, eating, getting very, very specific about your nutrition, if you're going to be at that type natural level athlete. The other aspect is supplements. And so... I'm big on supplements in terms of, you know, some people talk about you know whey protein shake before they work out, but I take about I take a multivitamin, uh, a branch free branch chain aminos, uh, B uh, a B complex, all the B complex vitamins, all the C complex, turmeric for joint relief, glucosamine for joint relief, omega three for the heart. Uh, let's see what else. There's probably one more, and so and, and the reason I I'm big on that, especially for me. I found it that if you're just staying in shape, then your normal nutritional intake for good good nutrition should be more than enough. But if you start pushing yourself, then you're you're changing your engine from a like a regular you know just running around the town you know type of car engine. Hey, I want to run on the NASCAR circuit. Well, if you're running on the NASCAR circuit, well, you're gonna have some pretty good high performance fuel. Mm. And so your nutrition is gonna play a important part of it. But there's other nutrients will help you uh, push yourself to the optimal level. And so, because if you want to get, you know, the free branch chain aminos, it's going to be hard to get that to your nutritional side. Mm. It's, it's, as a natural athlete, it's just going to be hard. If you if you want to push your performance, if you just want to stay in shape, you, your nutrition is more than enough. But if you want to push your your your, your performance, sustain, sustain that in terms of a, a good staying training cycle, 
uh, I would highly recommend getting some supplements. And so uh, for me, it has really uh, allowed me to sustain the level of lifting throughout my career. Now, if I'm off-season or I'm not trained, no, I don't take any supplements. But when I get, start my cycle, oh, I, I make sure everything is stocked up and I start taking it on a regular basis. And so uh, I think it's, it's just, I, I, you read a lot of about supplements, but I, I think that for a natural athlete, if you're, if you're performing at a high level, uh, you're going to have to do that if, if you want to do that. Uh, so, Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, that, that plays into, you know, another big question I've got and that I know a lot of as social media has grown and as uh, exposure and views and followers has become a real part of promotion for the sport. I feel like sponsorships, and I'm saying that in quotation marks for anyone that's not watching this on video, you know, ambassador, <laughs> ambassadorships yeah. and sponsorships right. and, you know, there's a plethora of them. So my, my question for you is this, and this is especially for the younger lifters that, that might be listening to this. You, have you found in your time that sponsorships have a place uh, in a lifter's competitive nature? Like, can they be beneficial? And what are advice for lifters that may be seeking that to kind of, you know, weed out the, the chaff, as it were, from, you know, the real wheat? Well, the, the two types of sponsors, there's the equipment sponsorship. And so that they're like, you want to get good equipment. If you can get someone to sponsor you, that'd be great. A lot of times you get sponsored if you're at least a, a national level, local level lifter. But the supplements thing, that's where you really have to know what you're taking. And because not not everybody who who sells stuff uh, is stuff that's certified if you got to get drug tested. And so you got to know what, what what's in that stuff. And so... Um, so I've never been, I've been asked to sponsor some other stuff, but I, I stick basically to a simple one that you buy at the local vitamin shop. Yeah. Uh, because you got to know what you're taking. You got to know, especially if you're going to go into a, a drug tested environment. And so, because you're going to have supplements that have stuff in it that you didn't know, and all of a sudden you come up positive, then it, it's, it's your fault. It's not the, it's not the uh, guy who, who provided it to you. And so, but equipment, uh, that you got to have a good equipment. So getting good you know, knee sleeves or belt, whatever, uh, they, 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 that can create benefits for a young lifter. But the supplements, you just got to be careful in terms of who's sponsoring you and what's in it. Now, if they've got other top-level athletes that are taking it, they say, fought for it, well, that's one thing. But, but if it's a lo- your local company that you have no knowledge of, ooh, I would, I would hold back on that. <laughs> well, I think of, um, I'm trying to remember what the name of it was, there was a supplement company that was pretty uh, uh, large that a few years ago I remember got busted for having DMMA or DMAA in their uh, supplements. And I'm, I'm trying to remember what it is. I can literally picture the packaging because they used to create <laughs> pre-workouts. And I think it, maybe at the, at the Arnold uh, in 2018, uh-huh. I was there with some of my friends and they were giving, uh-huh. they were giving out samples. And my buddy, right. <laughs> my buddy reads this thing. He's like, "Oh, can't take that." <laughs> you, you <That's> know? Right. <laughs> and I think it was two months later. These guys are in prison, you know, because the, you know they're. Oh, they're, geez, yeah. You know, so, yeah. So how when you when you look at the plethora of items, you know, especially I mean, I think of pre workout as the number one that like everyone, even that is not competing, yeah, right. is taking. How right. do you determine what's a good product versus something that's just kind of filled with crap? Well, I mean, you got to go, go to your local. I mean, I go to the vitamin shop, and so I, I have some pretty good contacts there, and and I, I don't get, I don't take any stuff exotic. Yeah, I, mine's pretty basic. You know, I take a, you know, like a pre-workout, I take a, a whey protein, concrete creatine, which has been pre-tested, and 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 uh, they have a, they have a, there's certain, they have a, they own manufacturer of this stuff, and it has a gold seal on it. And it has it's been certified. It's been drug tested, and so uh, uh, those are on the top of my The stuff that has, if you read the label, it has like you know, like a like a, I'm like an encyclopedia of all the stuff. And then you said, no, 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 you you want to stay from that stuff. And so, uh, so I, I kind of keep it pretty pretty basic. Uh, but there's um, uh, pre oxygen. I forgot what is it called. There's a, there's a couple of minor stuff that you can probably take. It'll probably be okay. But the stuff that, if you have to look through the label and it has, you know, the encyclopedia stuff, yeah, you want to stay away from that. And so, uh, and just, uh, but yeah. Yeah. No, I hear you. Well, so a, a couple of the things that I think have made this podcast uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. successful, 
um, has been, you know, this discussion of uh, faith and then discussion of food. I'll get to the food one last. I'm a big foodie. Um, But, you know, the thing that brought me into powerlifting, a little bit of my background, my father's a pastor. Uh, He was a a Southern pastor. Oh, great. And now they live on the mission field uh, in Dublin. And so uh, I grew up, did middle school and high school overseas, uh, and... One of the things that I've greatly appreciated about powerlifting is it created a place for everyone, really from any walk of life, to feel right. welcomed, right? Anyone Correct. should be able to lift a barbell. I'm a big proponent right. of that. Just walk right. in, touch the weight, you know? <laughs> yeah. um, and yeah. so one of the things I've enjoyed about this show has been hearing how all of these different lifters from various walks of life have found a home in the gym. And so my question for you, David, is you know, what role, if any, has your own personal faith or view of spirituality in general played into your training or played into just your perspective on the community as a whole? No, that's, that's a very good question. I'm glad you had that, 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 that reference of background. So I grew up you know, in Barberton, Ohio, and my, my parents uh, both uh, raised in a church, and I was raised in a church. And so, and I met my wife at a church when I was in my senior year in college. Uh, and my wife's uh, father, he's he passed away, but he was a minister in church. Hmm. And so I, church has always, and faith have been part of my framework in terms of how I live my life and keeping it very simple. But I always had a philosophy that you always, you're here for a purpose to help other people. Hmm. And so, yeah, the lifting is great in terms of people you meet, but it's, it's all about helping other people and hearing their journey, mm-hmm. and 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 being being the other side of the uh, of the process of helping other people, and so and so you, and I do that you know besides you know the gym whatever, but also you know in my every day what I do in my work in terms of working for the county, we work you know I work I'm the county engineer handles the transportation network, but I'm involved with a lot of different things in terms of helping schools, helping with social needs, some other other departments. That it's a great it's a great opportunity to kind of to help. To, uh, to to be that, that connecting point. So like during the COVID, you know, the county didn't stop. And so we had, uh, you know, giveaways in terms of food and some other things to these families in need because the schools were closed. And so I was out there on the front lines and handing out you know, the, the giveaway baskets and everything else. And so there's, and when school started up, they had school supplies give out uh, and out there. And so, and I try to, to lead by example and help because other members of my team do the same thing. Uh, because I see other people like myself out there uh, helping other people, and so, uh, but the the aspects of in terms of the sport itself, you know, I think it's, it's like I said earlier, it's keeping the proper perspective, because you know, lifting weights or setting a world record is not a be all and end all, because at the end of the day, you know, there are other people who love to be in your shoes. However, they got other challenges, and so how can you help them achieve their goals? And so. Um, so, like when I went to the Masters in uh, Canada, it was it, it, doing the event was great. But hearing other people's stories in terms of how they got to the point of being on that stage, I mean, it was just you, your your heart just your heart is just just breaks in terms of the people's journey. And so you just you celebrate their their aspect of be, getting there. There's one lady, uh, she's on the U.S. Virgin Island team. I think her last name is Moon. And so she went to the um, World Championship last year, which time I met her. And she's from, uh, I, think, uh, uh, I think, Washington State. But she, she had a, uh, she went through a bit of divorce and, uh, and, and had some, you know, really, you know, got beat up a little bit. And she, so she got in the gym to help her wellness. And as she had a point now, she's, she actually went to an international meet and competed. And I said, your journey is amazing in terms of, and she's in her early, early 70s. And so you figure out someone at that age, being a female, that would just sit back in a hole, in a home and don't want to do anything. But she decided to get out and, 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 and change basically her mental attitude. And weightlifting, powerlifting became her advocate to, to, change, her, to change her aspect. And so when you see about people like that, it, it makes you humble say, that when you have challenges in your own life, you say, well, mine is nothing compared to these other people. Mm. <laughs> mm. Uh, so, I, 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 so I, so I, and so, you know, there's so many different aspects in terms of different federations. That's a whole other conversation. But at the end of the day, it's about people helping people. And so, and, and as an individual person, what can you do along that journey? Yeah, you want to 
be a, you want to work your journey because you want to help keep yourself accountable. And so you got to have goals for yourself. But outside that, can you be an inspiration to help other people, whatever that is. And so you're doing this podcast as another way of helping other people. You know what I mean? I don't have the tools or resources or smart enough to do that, but, but this is what, what, what uh, God has shown you as a way to help other people. You probably didn't realize that, but this thing is, is almost taken off the higher than you ever expected. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's a, there's a story. I, I, I've forgotten the, the guy's name, but you know, even as we were chatting about you know before we started recording, um, that for me, this was always just conversations. You know, it, It's just a couple yeah. people talking, because it's the same way for me if I'm in the gym. Uh, you know, short of yeah. me meeting Denzel Washington, most people I'm like, ah, that's right, right. another person, you know. Uh, right. But I, I had a I had a guy reach out to me a couple of years ago um, after I did an episode with Joe Sullivan, and uh, he thanked me for saving his life. That was the, the opening of the message. It was oh, this three paragraph thing. He said, "Man, you know, I've I, I've been depressed. I've been struggling with a lot." Uh, and just listening to your show, listening to things that has revolutionized the way I see myself. The guy's a youth pastor now. And I'm like sitting there wow. with that and I'm like crying. And I'm like, this isn't what I like. Yeah. This is a minute. Like, this isn't even what I was thinking about when I created a show. I just wanted people to be able to hear something on their way to work, you know? And you, you never, right. you never realize the impact that something as simple as doing something you love has on people you've never interacted with. I never met the guy before. He somewhere in Columbus, you know. Right. Yeah. Uh, that that it is. I think the the good that you put into the world, the good that you allow to come out of you. I mean, it's it it radiates past your immediate connections. Uh, that butterfly effect. It it it's remarkable. It's humbling. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's remarkable. I, I have to tell you this other story. So, uh, I met this. So I went to the. Uh, Open World Championship in South Africa, which was an amazing experience for an old guy. And I thought I'd be hanging around. And I'd do some lifting. But everybody just came up to me, just wanted to take a picture. It, it was amazing. But but I met this lady from Belize. And she was coaching this younger lifter. And we just met her. And so, and I helped her out a little bit. And did some FaceTime with her and her team, whatever. Uh, and he did okay. And I ended up coaching with her because he was almost bombed out in the squat. And so now, it's a couple months later, now it's the... Master World Champion, she was going to be there, and uh, and she couldn't. Her coach couldn't be there because of the passport, whatever. And her, and the coach said, "Why don't you reach out to Miss Rig?" And so she reached out to me. I said, "Yeah, sure, sure, what up?" And so she's a fifty-two kilograms. She's a master two, and so so we get there, and I I went over her goals, whatever, and because she did a, a North American tournament a couple months before, and and she didn't do it. She did okay that much, and so we came with a game plan. And so, uh, so now it's the and and this meet day was kind of unique because I squatted my flight was that morning, and her flight was that right after that, and uh, first she says, uh, "Mr. Are you gonna be okay? Because you you gonna finish it? No, this is not my first tournament. I've been there, done that." And so, uh, so so we got her started, and so she's got her first two squats, missed the third squat. No, she missed her first squat uh, on technicality, but she had the strength. She came back, got that. Second, got a third, good, and then uh, she got her first two bench, third bench a little beyond her, and and, uh, and she got and, and she only got two benches, but because of her body weight, she she got a, a third place medal in the in the bench press. So now it's the, the deadlift, and uh, and uh, she opened up pretty good, and her second deadlift, she was like out of gas. She says, uh, "Mr. Riggs, I think I ain't got nothing left. I think it was 125. I think it was 120 kilos," and. Uh, and I was going to just put two and a half kilos to call it a day. And then I looked on the, on the chart. Uh, there was somebody else from Canada who was going to put, who was going to lift 125 kilos and, and, and the same weight class. But because she was a lighter lifter, the other lady, uh, that she, uh, that, uh, oh, yeah, no, yeah. So the other lady was going to do 125 kilos and I had 122 for my lifter. And, uh, and I told her that uh, that if this lady gets her 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 third, third deadlift, I need to move you up another two and a half kilo on twenty five, so you can get a third place medal. And uh, and so I was at the judges table, and and uh, the lady from Canada actually got one twenty five, which means that that she needed to do one twenty five. She wanted to get the third place medal because my lifter was was a lot of body weight. So I made the weight change, and I went back there and said, Hey, uh, if you want to get a medal. 
and the denim. You got to do this. There's only two and a half kilos more. And she went out and she smoked it. Mm-hmm. And so uh, so she was overjoyed or whatever. So I talked to her the next day. I said, how did you enjoy the experience? And she told me her how that mental challenge of, because she felt tired after the second deadlift. But when I told her that if you want to get this medal, this is what you got to do. She said, when you told me that, Mr. Rick, they, hey, I need to be committed. And it was, it was, I mean, it was, I mean, I was like, I was on cloud nine when she told me that. Mm-hmm. It was just. <laughs> yeah, I, I hear that. You know, that having people in your corner that believe in you uh, is 100% a necessity. I had a, I had a very dear friend, uh, his name was Duncan, uh, in college who has gone on to be uh, a, a fantastic lifter. Uh, he's now a strength coach at Clemson. Uh, and wow. hey. <laughs> at, at, my, at my first uh, USAPL meet, I did one of Sabres meets in, in Virginia. And right. it was a novice open. And uh, it was to qualify for collegiate nationals. And I would have made it if I'd pulled my second deadlift. I slipped uh, and, you know, I, I stumbled back. And so I had to drop the weight and I got up right, top. Right. I got off balance. And so I needed to pull this this final pull. But also if I wanted to, right. to take second, I had to make this third lift. Uh, and it was more than I had I had pulled in maybe a year. I think it was 523 right. that I had I had to take. And uh, I'm sitting there. Oh, gracious. And, and Duncan... Duncan comes up to me, stocky dude's five nine, you know, but he's built same body weight as right. I am, and uh, <laughs> on the side of the stage, just slaps me as hard as he can across the face, and he goes, "Do what you came here to do." Yeah, and I was like, "Okay," <laughs> you know. So I, I, I run out there, and, and you know, we've got half of Liberty Powerlifting is over to the side, and and they're all right. cheering me on, and and I, I make the it's a it's an absolute grind, but I, I make the pull, I qualify for nationals. Right, yeah. And I just going over to the other side and seeing people who genuinely wanted to see me succeed went so right. far in pushing me past where if it had just been me, maybe I wouldn't have made that lift. Oh yeah, exactly. You know, um, and exactly. it sounds like it was the same thing for that for that that young lady of, of having someone in her corner that believed yeah. in her to push her past when she was like, no, 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 I I think I'm done. Yeah, it's it's amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is. Yeah, so when you see that that, that mental transformation is like, wow, it, it's so magical. It's like <laughs> it is. It's a it's it's a it's a switch. It's literally watching a light switch turn on. Yeah, and you're like, oh, there, hey, there you yeah. are. <laughs> there she is. Um, it, it, it's like you ever see, but 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 that, but, yeah, but that mental switch translates in terms of that mental toughness. It carries on to the other aspects of your life. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Did you, did you ever see Robin Williams' old uh, movie Hook when he when he plays Peter yes. Pan? And I, I think it's one of, yes. one of my mom's favorite movies. And she loves that part where you know he he's running around with the Lost Boys and they don't believe that it's him. And <laughs> right. finally, the little right. one comes up to him and he's he's pulling his face. He's doing it. He goes, "Hey, there you are, Peter." You know. And I think of that. You know, it's like, "Oh, th- hey, there you are." <laughs> You know, uh, and, and then he starts flying. You know, he's like, "Oh, I am." You know, it's, right? It, you need that person <laughs> to help you help you connect with you know who you're who you are. Right. Well, so I got I got one more question for you here sure. uh, as we wrap up. It's on, on our breakfast piece. So I'm a, I'm a big foodie, sure. um, especially when I was in college. I could be at 140 kilos. So I was a, I was a big boy. I'm not that big anymore. Uh, which I'm, oh, I'm, I'm glad for. Um, but in the midst of that, I learned <laughs> that I'm a big breakfast guy. So the question that I've been asking everybody, if there's one, and this is outside of meal prep, there's no right answer right. here. If, if you're yeah. left to your own devices and you're creating the perfect breakfast, what is it? Oh, it, it's got to be, uh, ooh. oh, sausage and pancakes. Yeah. I, I do that every weekend. So I cook my wife uh, sausage and pancakes every weekend. So that, that's part of my menu, either Saturday or Sunday. <laughs> uh, buttermilk pancakes, or you got blueberries in there? Are we straight up? Uh, no, we're straight up. Instant, instant, you know, I like to keep it simple. Yeah. But, yeah, actually, my homemade pancakes taste better. I can't eat pancakes anywhere else because they seem like they make them too thick. Yeah. And so I like mine just a little thin, a little, a little crusty on the edges that you heat it up right and then regular sausage to go with that. I mean, I can go to town with that. 
But uh, yeah, when I eat out, it's normally just an omelet. But if I'm at home, yeah, some sausages and pancakes, I'm good. <laughs> yeah, I, I hear you. You know, it's funny you mentioned pancakes. Uh, it's a coincidence. I, I currently have so my grandfather uh, specialized in very few dishes, and one of his was his pancakes. And so uh, a couple years ago, when uh, when he passed away. One of the things they wanted everyone in the in the family to have was his pancake recipe. So uh, I, I actually get out of here. Are you serious? Yeah. So wow. so I actually have a little container of of some pre batched pancake mix. Um, but I also was, was given That's the family awesome. recipe, so I, I know the importance of making sure you have your own your own pancake recipe. It's, it's important. Oh no no, it's, it's, it's like God said. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. A- absolutely. <laughs> well, well, David. Last thing I got for you. You know you. As we sure. look ahead to, to 2023, uh, as you look ahead to future competitions, whether you're the one sanctioning them and, and running them, or whether it's it's you competing, you know what's next for you. What can what can the listeners uh, expect from from Mr. Ricks? Well, I'm scheduled to go to the U.S. Virgin Islands Nationals. I'm gonna be there as a coach. I'm gonna coach like one or two people there, and see how that goes. But I'm not gonna be lifting because I've got some nagging injuries, so I'm gonna let the body rest and recover. But I'd like to potentially do a, another international meet, uh, either the uh, Classic Open, if I can, if uh, if I can make that team, or the uh, North American Piloting uh, uh, Championships. I think it's in Cayman Islands. So you know, one of, you know, either one of the two meets as uh, international last international meet, and see see how that goes. Uh, but uh, but yeah, I did the the tournament last October, and I did very well. And then as I got back in the gym in October. I felt some you know, minor injuries here and there, and they all, they all come back. But but as I start adding, you know, putting weight on the bar, the body says, "Nah, you're not ready yet." So uh, you got to listen to your body. So I'm going to I'm into my off season mode, do a lot more recovery stuff, and just really some uh, work on some support exercises to, to strengthen out, strengthen out those uh, support muscles, and then I'll wrap it back up when the time is right. But uh, so far, yeah, nothing is broken. But but but. Uh, um, as a as a mature lifter, you kind of you kind of you kind of take your time to make sure that the body's right, and so uh, and I'll, I'll see how it goes. But uh, if, if my body's in shape, I won't try to push it up for one more level. What those numbers are going to be, I'm not sure. But uh, if everything is healthy, I'll like to be able to be able to do that. So we'll see. <laughs> That's fantastic. That's fantastic. Well, folks, this has just been uh, a great conversation uh, with David Ricks. Uh, you can, of course, find him on Instagram and, and follow along as he <laughs> continues to compete and, and be a powerhouse in this sport. Uh, you can find me, of course, and the podcast on, on Instagram as well. You're more than welcome if, you, if you're listening to this and you want to watch us, uh, you're more than welcome to check us out on YouTube uh, as well as I continue to learn how to, how to use more technology as a Gen Z uh, <laughs> person. Uh, but folks, uh, we will catch you next week uh, with Fernando Arias and Dom Sino. Well, folks, just such a great conversation with David Ricks. Uh, you're more than welcome to find him on Instagram uh, or, and follow along with just what his competitions are upcoming uh, as he continues to host good meets, offer strength seminars, and more. There's definitely a lot exciting coming up for him. Hey, if you've made it this far, uh, and, and I appreciate you immensely if you did, I want to address something. I'm not really going to uh, announce this on social media because I don't want to join the influx of everything else. Uh, but uh, some of you may know uh, I am a state ref for USA Powerlifting. Uh, and in the midst of uh, a little bit of the shit show that we're dealing with with the U.S. Powerlifting Association, with USPA, uh, I just want to go ahead and address it as a smaller platform, but nonetheless a voice in the community uh, just for a moment, um, my thoughts on all of this. Look, much, much wiser and much smarter men and women have come before me to address things I wouldn't have the slightest idea of how to address. I know that I have greatly enjoyed the last few years of hosting guests, but I also know that the guests that I host haven't all been the best role models in the sport for how to act and how to move forward with the sport as a whole. I just want to make a statement as uh, the creator. I don't condone any personal actions of anyone I've had on the show. Uh, The show itself was always... Uh, an opportunity for people to have a platform to share their story. 
but should it come to light that uh, a guess that I have story uh, may not be entirely true, or if it's found out that they have been taking advantage or behaving in a predatorial manner towards other athletes, um, please let me, and if I, if I don't already know that, please let me know. Um, and I'll, I'll take the appropriate action and, and take that episode down because I, I don't want guests who are predators to have a platform uh, to speak. And as someone who prides himself on creating uh, good content that's meaningful for you guys, I also want to stand firm and push this sport in the right direction. So don't want to bring the, the, uh, the temperature down at all, but just a, a quick thought, always grateful for your support as a listener uh, or as a viewer, ever more grateful uh, that you are making this possible. So you're more than welcome to follow along on Instagram, YouTube, Spotify, iTunes, anywhere else you want to check out the podcast. Uh, and with that, we will see you next week.